Hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hope you had a lovely Christmas. Yeah. I hope you had a nice New Year. Who saw Aquaman 2 being the best movie that's been ever made? (laughs) (laughs) Who saw that coming? I mean, it was incredible. Yeah, it's the best movie since Casablanca, critics say. (laughs) I read a review in Empire, the, the headline was Aquaman shits all over Shawshank Redemption. So, obviously, we're recording this at the end of November, but it's going to come out in January. And I was just thinking about New Year's resolutions. And this this is why I recommended this film, because I want to write more in the next year. Okay. And that's pretty much it. And this is a very writing-based movie. This is very close to me. It's more from my brain than anything else we watched before, probably. It's a movie called... Oh, wait. Uh, we're hi, hi. Hello, we're uh, yeah, we're I hate your movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is I hate your movie. Yeah, uh, you probably already know by now. This is episode what thirty something. Yeah, but just in case, okay, you're, you're a first listener. This is I hate your movie. It's where we inflict movies on each other for your entertainment. I'm Dan. I'm Rick. And this week, I recommended to watch is adaptation, a 2002 movie directed by Spike Jones, written by Charlie Kaufman. And what's his brother's name? Donald Kaufman. Donald Kaufman. Starring Nicolas Cage twice <laughs> as twins mm-hmm. and other people. Spike Jones, obviously, if you've seen his films, is a very heady director. He directed the movie Her. Yep. He directed Being John Malkovich, again written by Charlie Kaufman. He's also likes to dress up as grandma and being in Jackass. He's in the Jackass group. So he's quite a character. <laughs> yeah, so when you Google Spike Jones... Four films come up. Mm-hmm. I challenge you to name those films. Ooh. So it's, it's the first four. Obviously, there's lots more if you click. Is more. it only things he directed? Nope. Jackass 1, 2, 3. Bad Grandpa? Okay. You have one of them in there. You were very close to another one. Yeah, Bad Grandpa was one. Oh, really? You said Jackass 1, 2, and 3, and yeah. 4 is on there. I didn't even know that was Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> Jackass Forever, yeah. I think it's called. Yeah. I think that's the fourth one. So this high-minded director. Yeah. <laughs> He's the co-creator of Jackass. Yeah, you that's, know that. that's hilarious. <laughs> Her was pretty popular. Yep, being John Malkovich. Yeah. And the other one, and I don't know how he was involved, because I did not have the time to research it properly, Babylon. Oh. I have no idea how he's involved in Babylon. Oh. Mm. I'm curious to find this out now. Hello, post-recording Dan here. It turns out he was an actor in Babylon. He played the comical German director during the shooting of the battle scenes. Yabba dabba doo. Scooby Dooby Doo. Have I reached my word limit yet? So yeah, this is quite a weird film. It is a very meta, self-referential film about Charlie Kaufman, the screenwriter himself, trying to adapt this book called The Orchid Thief. And it's about him trying to break the story and struggling with it. And at the same time, parallel, we see how The Orchid Thief was written. Rick. Yes. What did you think of adaptation? My one sentence view is as follows. You can't have a film where the main character talks about originality all the way through to have a predictable cliche ending. But that was the whole point. The whole thing failed at the end for me. I guess we'll get into that. But first, I've got a surprise for you. Okay. I wrote a one sentence review. Right. Because I got inspired. (laughs) I'm a fat piece of shit. 
and I'm trying to write this one sentence review, which is impossible for a movie like this, but I thought I could do it. I thought I was the one, the special writer who could pull it off, but no, I'm just a fucking loser who's way over his head, fat, single and lonely. What is a one sentence review anyway? How can you co- Oh my god. <laughs> How can you condense such a complexity into a simple fucking English sentence? Maybe that is the point. To break the status quo, to challenge the narratives. Make the longest one sentence review anyone has ever written. I'm a fat piece of shit and this movie is awesome. Not a sentence. I know, but that's <laughs> the, my meta one sentence review. I did have another like one sentence review, but I couldn't quite get it to like mm-hmm. narrow enough. And it basically is along the lines of like, I watch films to stop the anxiety and the thoughts <laughs> of like so, of self hatred. I don't want to see that on screen. I, I watch films to avoid that, mm-hmm. not to see more of it. This is like the most relatable movie for me that's ever been made. So if you haven't seen the film and you're very confused by Dan's seven sentence review, that's how it does is you have a narrator in the film yeah. pretty much constantly and he's trying to write it and he's like oh i don't know how to write it where's the where's the structure where's the script and it's constant yeah the yeah. whole thing yeah i think it well i think it gets less as the film goes through but mm-hmm. very much at the start all you hear is his inner monologue yes of him like hating himself do i have an original thought in my head my bald head maybe if i were happier my hair wouldn't be falling out life is short I need to make the most of it. Today's the first day of the rest of my life. Yeah, he's hating himself. He's trying to break this story that has no story. Mm-hmm. This book called Orchid Thief is about, like, basically nothing. Like, it has no end. It has no structure. He challenged himself to write a script on that. And it's very relatable as well to me. I'm always like that. I'm gonna write the next this and that. Like, almost an impossible task. I think people have made screenplays out of less i think not being able to write a screenplay on a book mm-hmm. shows an incredible lack of talent but there's no story in the book yeah but you've got films about disney park rides there's things with much less story to them that have been made into films good films some of them yeah the writer's dilemma in the story is that he wants to preserve what the book is like while not writing like a kind of action schlocky script you know what i mean yep. so he's got kind of stuck between those two worlds represented by his brother should we spoil the brother yeah <laughs> so this is a very down-to-earth movie and it feels like really real for the most part except at the end to the point where it's like written by charlie kaufman and donald kaufman and at the end when the brother dies spoiler alert, there's a like a dedicated to donald kaufman who doesn't exist. No, never did exist. No. I think I knew that somewhere, but I forgot it completely because the first two-thirds of this movie is so real to me. I I completely forgot, and it completely got me. It completely bamboozled me. Oh, I forgot to say as well. Do you know what else Spike Jones has directed? He's directed... You know the Fat Boy Slim song where Christopher Walken's dancing around? <laughs> did he do he that? He directed that, yeah. Oh, my God. I love that video. <laughs> yeah, everyone does. <laughs> you can see it, huh? I'm looking at him. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Wow. What a talent in old man makeup. Welcome to Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Jackass, bro. Let's talk about our feelings. <laughs> so that brother character doesn't exist at all. I just think that's so pointless. No, it's not. Because if you're going to do the script, you need someone to bounce back and forth from. If you're going to do this self-referential stuff, you need someone who's kind of your opposite. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I get that if you want to write a fictional brother into the film, fair enough. But what's the point of the in loving memory of Donald Kaufman at the end? It's just, uh, it feels tacky to me. You're kind of manipulating the audience. To be fair, after I learned that his brother was non-existent, I was like, oh yeah, if your brother died for real, you wouldn't put him in a movie and die kind of comically, you know, crashing out of a window and slowly fading away. Depends on the brother. Depends I guess. If you, you know, because he's friends with like Johnny Knoxville and that. <laughs> like, if Johnny Knoxville died, and then that's exactly how he'd want to be in mm-hmm. a film, dying about his life. I don't know. It would have felt kind of tasteless, I think. Mm. So I don't know. It feels, <laughs> it feels like the Fargo thing to me, where in the beginning of Fargo it says this is based on true events. The names have been changed and this and that, and it's not true. Mm-hmm. But it kind of gives it some believability and it's kind of fun and it carries on that meta motif and I don't think it was like playing the audience or trolling the audience I think it was more along the lines of he was real to himself while he was writing him you know like there's a quote from his fake script yeah that's (laughs) like that's how deep it goes I don't know I like it okay each to their own (laughs) I want to say the first monologue that plays pretty much on a black screen with little credits that's straight from my brain. Yeah. Which is pretty much my one sentence review. Yeah. And I had just such an adverse reaction to that. Yeah. I was just like, oh. I kind of liked it because as a fellow struggling writer, you don't see into people's brains. And just the fact that the person who wrote Being John Malkovich, after he wrote that, he still feels like that. And not just wrote it, but he made it as well. Yeah. You know, it's not just about writing it. He, you know, he got picked up and made yeah. it into a film. And even in this film, he's still, he's on the set of being yeah, John Malkovich. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so like, even after that, he feels like that about himself. And I'm sure he's played up a bit. Yeah. Because he's not even fat in real life. The kind of regular looking guy. They, he made himself look way worse. <laughs> like he's kind of balding, but not as badly as Nicolas Cage in this like he has like the most unfortunate bald spot where he's like almost uh, he has see-through hair yeah (laughs) but still like it must come from somewhere it feels nice that even the fucking writer of being John Malkovich thinks about himself like this speaking of that it starts from the set of being John Malkovich I always thought of this movie as it was made before being John Malkovich so imagine my surprise <laughs> when the film starts with behind the scenes being John Malkovich. It's great. How's that the first movie you wrote? That's fucking crazy. It's not the first movie you wrote. It's the first movie he got picked up Yeah, for. fine, but still, that's fucking crazy. Why? I was just like, it's such a masterpiece, that movie. It's, it really is. One day we'll talk about it. <laughs> you like it, right? I like being. It's been a very long time since I've seen yeah. it, but it's I'll, a good film. I'll watch it every two or three years. Okay. I really love it. It's one of my top ten, for sure. I have a question for you. We're getting into it a little bit now. Why does the movie start from the beginning of time? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. He's like, how did I get here? And he's like, literally shows the planet forming and then the dinosaurs. A and then Horrible birthing scene. The birthing scene, which is, yeah, this is hor- mm. more horrific than anything we've seen in any horror film before. Uh, well, you know why? Because he writes that later. Remember that? Yeah. Bit? Later. It didn't make sense when he wrote it later either. I know, <laughs> I know, but it's kind of like it's a weird, like this loop of reference, loop reference. 
I don't know. I just like it. Okay. It's just kind of like a gag, you know, to me. Yeah. It doesn't really add much to it other than like another kind of form of anxiety in writing is like, I've got a blank page. So what the fuck do I do? Where do I start? You know? So it's kind of like that, I think. Okay. Again, I watch films to get away from this kind of stuff. His love interest throughout the film yeah. is just, oh my God, it's so cringy to watch. Because she's clearly like really into him mm-hmm. and waiting for him to make a move. Yeah. And he never does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, he actually, does he even at the end? I don't think he does at the end. He, he, they like hug and there's like an implication that they might. Yeah. Yeah. But still... <laughs> Oh my god, it's so cringe to watch. I like that it's not Hollywood and he hasn't gone for it and everything's gone well for him or that kind of thing. But I think a better way of doing that would have been like when we watch Dream Scenario, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they're they making out and it's super awkward all the way oh, through because yeah. he farts. <laughs> <laughs> and then he farts and then he, she starts taking off his belt and he comes and then he farts as he comes. <laughs> that would be a better way of doing it. I like. I get it's not every day, and that's what he's trying to portray every day kind of stuff that actually happens. Yeah. But I think if you're exaggerating your own personality and your own like flaws, you take it to those extremes mm-hmm. because that would be a more entertaining kind of thing to happen. Mm-hmm. I did like it that it was very non-Hollywood. I like their apartment. Because it's he's got some money now, so it's a step above usual LA. Six people live together, mm. one in the bathroom. It's an unfurnished house. <laughs> it's just like completely empty. There's barely anything, and they're like, his brother is constantly on the floor, stretching out. There's nowhere to sit down. <laughs> Do you think they filmed in his actual house? He's crazy like that, so maybe <laughs> he is. He's a nutter. That's also where it's, this movie does a lot of things I, I don't usually like in movies. Yep. And it does it in such an extreme that, and it's so well that I love it. Like narration. I hate narration in films. Just like, just, uh, like, just uh, like Brian Cox. Just like Brian Cox later on, he explains. <laughs> and I hate. Doesn't Kiss Kiss Bang Bang have a lot of narration in it? It does, but with that one, the way it fits to me in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, there was like a noir, crime noir kind of this dame came into my office, like, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Because that was a spoof of that one, kind of. For this one, it's... It's because there's no other way to kind of explore writing block, I don't think. Like, there's no visual way to show it. And then it was interesting and varied enough that it kept me going. Okay. I hate kind of self-referential stuff. And I hate, like, oh, I'm writing about myself. You know, that's the typical, like, you you meet someone and, like, I'm a writer. I write about a Starbucks barista who is secretly a genius. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like that. But, yeah, I just don't usually like that stuff. And this one is it's just so well done that I can't fault it in any way. It's not self-congratulatory in any way. He's, like, he constantly talks about himself as fat, balding, terrible. He constantly sweats and he's, like, a loser wimp. There's a lot of stuff in this film that, again, I don't know if he's trying to put it in there to make a point or he's making fun of people who make those kind of points. Mm -hmm. There's like a whole thing where he says to someone, I can see your sadness. It's lovely. And there's another bit where he's talking about find your flower because every flower has an insect matched to it. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> the sadness spot was the American Indian guy. He was. Oh, yeah. He was a creepy, like, the yeah, creepy guy. Yeah. Later on, turns out that he was high 
and yeah. that's why he was like that. He so, was obviously high. Well, he was, he, yeah, he was really, really high. It was very clear <laughs> sure. from, from that one scene. The flower matching, I don't remember that specifically. The, I think it's when she first meets LaRoche. Okay. Is LaRoche says that? Yeah, I think so. Well, I'm, I'm sure he says it in a very like nonchalant way, not like in a poetic way. I think he's trying to be kind yeah. of because that's the character of LaRoche. He's always trying to sound and be much more intelligent than he seems. Let's explain who LaRoche is and okay. who Glenn Close is. Uh, Glenn Close. <laughs> what what's is then that the actress? The fuck are you talking about? Who's the journalist who, has, who writes the orchid? Meryl Streep. Oh, Meryl Streep. Yeah, I always mix those two up. Meryl Streep, straight from Mamma Mia. <laughs> the parallel story to Charlie Kaufman trying to write this is Meryl Streep as a journalist trying to write a book about this guy who's an orchid thief who steals precious orchids and trying to save them and trying to make them available, spread them around. Yeah, so she works for The New Yorker. She's written an article about orchid thieves yeah. and now she's writing a book. Yeah, they, they ask her to write a book to expand the whole story, the non-story. I mean, obviously, I haven't read the book. Yeah. But it seems to me like a, an interesting book about people who steal orchids because there's yeah. a massive trade for them, massive, like, underground kind yeah. of thing. I haven't read the book, but it seems to me it would be better suited for a documentary. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's such a hard task to write a script about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we can disagree on that. It's fine. Yeah. Again, I'm going to pull out my writer card and say that uh, you're not a writer. It's hard to explain to you how hard it is to break a story. Breaking a story is like meaning like you get the structure and then you know what it's about. It's so fucking hard. It's incredibly hard. Even when you have an idea. But this is almost like without an idea. There's no themes. There's no nothing. It's just like a little documentary short in a book format. You know? He's trying to at the same time preserve its innocence preserved dates about flowers but he doesn't give a shit about flowers so it's kind of like trying to make himself inspired by it sure so it's, it's, think it, it's, it's a lot easier to, than that just write a film about yeah just yeah, yeah, a person's journey and he's traveling to all these places picking flowers and you know and what well the, you, you just raise the stakes a little bit by like for example it was really clever in the film how he hired a bunch of Indian Americans who are legally allowed to take things from the land. Mm -hmm. Make it kind of this about someone who kind of like a like a, like a heisty type thing where, mm -hmm. you know, he's getting around legal battles and all that kind of stuff. But that was the problem because he wanted to write about the flowers, Charlie Kaufman. He wanted it to be about the flowers and not about the personal drama or anything like that. That was his thing. So, yeah, but surely it's better to write that than to write something where you are now in your own film and you're writing a book about... No, you're writing a film... You're starring in a film about a book that you're in and all that kind of stuff. Like, surely just... At the end, it all makes sense. <laughs> oh, my God. That is... <laughs> no. It does. Like to you. Okay. Uh, there's there's some things here in the middle as well that kind of gives it away. Okay. I think the theme of this movie is in the title, which is this adaptation. It's a Darwin segment when they show Darwin and what Darwin wrote about. That's how species evolve through adaptation. Yeah, the whole thing is just like dual meaning yeah. between adaptation. Not only he's writing an adaptation... It's about his journey as well as changing into a different person where he's not used to adapting anything 
and he kind of has to take this content and, and make it into something and he kind of has to change because there's no other way to do it oh my god speaking of darwin segment there's a bit in it i think it's in a montage when he's charlie kaufman is having another existential crisis one of the many he envisions darwin and darwin's writing his books and he just throws it on the ground and then it reminded me of a darwin quote actual real quote okay because darwin kept journals of his travels and stuff at the end of one of his journal entries he wrote but i'm very poorly today and very stupid and hate everybody and everything (laughs) darwin wrote that in the 1800s (laughs) it feels like very today right it's pretty funny yeah that should be on a (laughs) t-shirt just darwin's face i hate everyone and and everything (laughs) yeah it's true it's like quotes yeah Going back to the brothers, what did you think about Nicolas Cage's acting as two twin brothers? Uh, I thought his portrayal of Charlie Kaufman, whether that's actually him, like how Charlie Kaufman is or not. Yeah, it was very good. Yeah, He, he had a decent amount of control, especially for Nicolas Cage, mm-hmm. where he, an early Nicolas Cage as well, mm. when he really didn't rein it in much at all. Only later when he did like current films, Dream yeah. Scenarios, another good example. So yeah, it was very controlled. Mm-hmm. His anxiety attacks where he's typing madly works out very well. Do you know Nicolas Cage, he did exactly what Spike Jones told him to do and he ignored all of his acting instincts. Oh, <laughs> probably a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very weird role for him at early 2000s. He was still like action Cage. He was still in like action movies, it's like face off and that kind of stuff. It's a very weird role for him to fatten up and do this like very artsy film, but it's good for him. The Donald role, I thought, was, just felt a little bit lazy to me. Yeah? Yeah. Hey man, shall I do this? Uh, oh, I love okay, it. Charlie, I'm gonna go now. Bye. And that was his entire personality. Uh, No, I didn't get that. I thought he had a lot of things going on. He had the giggle going on. The giggle. He had a nervous giggle. And they talk about it at some point. He was very earnest and very nice. That might be boring to you, but uh, that was his personality. And it kind of clashed very nice with Charlie's personality. I like that he was like the confident... Yeah. You know, outgoing version of Charlie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they looked almost identical. And (laughs) being the same actor. Well, yeah, but also makeup and... Yeah. Yeah. But, like, you could tell which one is which, which is great. Yeah. I don't think that's an easy thing to pull off. No. No, I I think it's just the way they dressed. Yeah, the way they dressed. I think Donald was less fat. His hair was a bit shorter, I think. Yeah. But still, like, it could have gone way worse than that. Yeah, true. Yeah, I didn't give that much credit in my notes, actually, because that's a really good point. Yeah. At no point was I confused who was who. Yeah. yeah. Even if they're just sitting in the car together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so his brother also writes this script, The Free, <laughs> which is about... <laughs> Although it's more confusing than this movie. <laughs> yeah, the detective, the hostage, and who's the third one? Uh, the third person. The victim? Yeah, maybe. maybe. The victim of the first murder. Yeah, maybe. And they're all the same person. They're all the same person. <laughs> and there's like a ch- chase scene. There's a car chase in there somewhere. <laughs> that was most of the comedy for me. Like, <laughs> like listening back to that script is really funny. I didn't like throughout the film how Charlie just keeps putting him down about his script. And everything he says is just mean, I found. It wasn't constructive. It was It was just like, oh, Donald, stop being an f- idiot. 
I'm so much better than you. My writing is so much better. It's like, oh my God, I have so much more artistic integrity. You're just making films over there about normal things. I'm trying to elevate the medium. Well, the first half I agree with, the second half I don't agree with. Okay. Because <laughs> he was like snobbish about it. And yeah, but he didn't think that he's better, I don't think. I think he just thought that Donald is such a, like an impulsive character. This is his thing at the moment and he's just going to move on to another thing. Yeah. And he was just kind of too consumed in his own writing that he didn't care enough. So I don't think it was more like I'm better or something like that. It was more just you're new to this. I don't have patience to teach you all the things. I thought of this Donald character as kind of like it's the side of Charlie Kaufman, that guy. Like it's a part of his personality. Which goes like, oh, let's make it easy, let's make it simple, let's make it fun. And that's also what kind of he's coping with, and that's why the back and forth is happening, you know? That makes sense, because they're twins, but f- watching it from, like, face value, I got a very much a sense of, like, that was, like, the world bothering him to just do something basic and simple, mm-hmm. and that's what everyone else is doing, like, basic and simple, and it's his. that's why he's so dismissive, because he's like, fuck off, people, I just want to make something better than that because i think i'm like that too where i'm like just just write this simple thing whatever and then there's the other side of me which is now it has to be like perfect or artistic my favorite (laughs) don't give me the (laughs) don't give me the discipline don't give me that my favorite line comes up in this kind of dynamic which is i think donald says something stupid about a script and then charlie kaufman says you and I share the same DNA. Is there anything more lonely than that? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, brutal. <laughs> that was a brutal, brutal line. So uh, I'm saying he's a dick, to, he he's is, a dick I, to his brother. I don't disagree he's a dick. I just think that it comes from a different place. He doesn't think he's better than anyone. He's just kind of very self-absorbed. My next note is about the waitress that he asks out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, so he's supposed to go on this orchid show. Yep. The waitress is just being nice to him. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I love flowers. They're so pretty. And he's like, oh, do you want to go to see the orchid show at the weekend? Yeah. Like, he invites her on, like, a, a weekend away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, yeah. like, a first thing. Yeah. And her face. <laughs> just pure disgust. <laughs> that is followed by his fantasy of what would happen. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, yeah. let's talk about how much he masturbates in this film. <laughs> <laughs> Is that necessary? I don't know if it's necessary, but it's very realistic, you know, based on my own. <laughs> 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 like, it's it comes with, like, anxiety. I yeah, think. yeah. And when you're, like, really stuck on an idea. I had a question at the start of this, and it was answered later in the film. Was there not porn? Like, why is he sitting around thinking about people he's met? Not really, in the early 2000s. There was the the guy had a porn site. The flower oh, guy yeah, had a porn true. site. That he was yeah, running. but like it was dial-up internet. <laughs> Still, <laughs> everyone had a magazine somewhere. A magazine tucked yeah. under the bed and between the mattress. It just struck me as something that a teenager would do. No, not really to me. Like, okay. it's really anxious. Speaking to my own teen. <laughs> um, the second thing I want to talk about mm. about him masturbating never cleans himself up. He just, you, you see his legs at the end of the bed. He's like, and then he just gets up and starts typing on the sound. Like, like come on, man. <laughs> like, you, you're spreading it around. <laughs> like, wash your hands at least. 
Uh, his, his keyboards are all sticky. That's why I saw white typewriter. <laughs> it used to be black. <laughs> uh, I love his little fantasies because it is more about the filmmaking now. The editing makes it so, like, you almost believe it's happening, and then it's, it's like, nope. <laughs> okay. Right, so my next note is about the timeline jumps. Okay. Oh, yeah. So there's three different timelines in this film, I think. Yeah. How many are there? So there's him writing the script. Yeah. That's there's in her the... writing the book. Yeah. And then there's... Her writing the journal. Yes. The New Yorker. And her after written the book. Yeah. And it does quite well to keep you yeah. in time. But uh, I feel like there's a, a cleaner way yes, to do this. I think so. Because it jumps around. Yeah. And mine, what I actually wrote down was, how do I feel about this? Because I, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's it's slightly irks me but not enough to actually be a complaint yeah because it's somehow it's still easy to follow yeah which is kind of amazing there's like two different kind of parallel stories that happen at different times and then in one of the storylines there's three different time jumps (laughs) yeah that irked me a little bit too I don't know if there's a better way to do it I don't know how the film would be different obviously the orchid thief part was more meant to be a parallel to charlie's kind of life as his writing struggles all of a sudden they just flash back to the when laroche family dies yeah and it was like nine months earlier or whatever <laughs> uh, it was like what <laughs> yeah you constantly get like three years ago yeah Two years ago, five years ago, nine months later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like that. It's like constant what? flashback, flash forwards. Yeah, I'd love to see like a timeline of this <laughs> film and see. The, the, oh my god, <laughs> you flash back to the guy's family that dies. Yeah, how did you feel about that whole kind of heavy-handed emotional baggage in the film? Was it heavy-handed? I well, I don't think it was necessary at all. To be honest. It was kind of necessary, I think, to make us believe that Meryl Streep could fall for this guy. Because she needs to feel sorry for him. You need a lot of reasons to fall in love with this guy. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, you need to get over a lot to make us believe that upper middle class woman who's in a marriage and writes for the fucking New Yorker (laughs) falls in love with this redneck with missing teeth. I don't think you do. No? I think because you've shown that she's unhappy in her marriage. They were talking about when he nearly died or when his wife nearly Mm -hmm. died. And she says then, like, oh, if I nearly died in a car crash, I'd leave my marriage too because no one would be able to stop me. So she's clearly not happy in a marriage as it is. She's not happy with what she's got, so she's going to do the opposite of that. And you don't... Mm -hmm. That's enough right? Mm. It just feels overwritten at this point. I don't know, like you needed a point where because LaRoche always talks about his interest like mm-hmm. his flowers, his animals and stuff and you needed kind of something personal to get out of him so that you feel like the relationship got over the hump of that kind of stuff you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I feel like if that was also just on the phone while they're on the phone and they're chatting, I feel like that would have been like too much tell, don't you? Okay. You know, but I could live without it for sure. One thing I like about that, it's a very tiny thing in that scene. 
like the filmmaking is after the accident they pull him out on the stretcher and you can barely see anything and it's just focusing on him and he's just trying to look around while his neck is constrained and he's like how many of them are dead how many of them are dead it's just like a really cool like if it felt like how it would be yeah like it's yeah, very yeah. chaotic chaotic and you're trying to get some information out but you can't can we talk about brian cox can do <laughs> so you once met brian cox <laughs> not only i met him i was his personal assistant <laughs> uh, on a movie called The Carer which looks like while we're shooting it the most fucking boring movie ever made I never watched it <laughs> even though my name is in the credits I love Brian Cox cool. I might be you know after being his bitch after being his bitch it's very funny I can reveal a little secret here okay about Brian Cox he's always cast as like this mean guy he's like fuck fuck this fuck that in x-men 2 striker he's like the guy who made wolverine but in real life he's just a big hippie <laughs> that's really fun it's the same with jason momoa yeah oh my god in real life he's like a kid in a candy shop <laughs> who's been fed loads of sweets i saw him once i was in forbidden planet in london yeah and he just walked in. He had a pint of Guinness on him. You, you met him as an equal, not like with me and Brian Cox. <laughs> I was his servant, men servant. He kept doing, what's the thing he did in Justice League when he catches the Flash or something? Cowabunga, dude. Something like that. <laughs> Definitely not that. It's something like it's that. It's something like that, but it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, or something. My man. That's it. <laughs> My man. He kept doing that over and over but and over as again. Well, might as well be Cowabunga. Cowabunga, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so Brian Cox I remembered he was in the movie I didn't remember he says his catchphrase which is fuck because <laughs> <laughs> now that he's kind of famous from succession he's in interviews and he says like people come up to me and say can you please tell me to fuck off because <laughs> 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 that's his famous catchphrase now fuck off <laughs> fuck off 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 Fuck off, Drag, fuck off. He does say it in like a very potent way. Yeah, yeah, in a very Brian Cox way. Yeah, I love him. He's great. Yeah, he plays this guy who runs a course on script writing. Donald Kaufman, he goes to see him and then he recommends it to Charlie and Charlie's like, no, that's all bullshit. You know, this and that. Again, very relatable. <laughs> and then he ends up going to his one of his seminars out of sheer desperation yeah so he goes to new york to meet the lady who wrote the book yeah but he doesn't meet her yeah. he just kind of stands in an elevator with her and then wusses <laughs> out and goes home yeah i don't understand why like surely you wouldn't just fly to new york to meet her you'd arrange a meet and then you'd fly to new york you wouldn't just show up and be like hey i'm in new york do you want to come over or you just show up at her desk and be like hey like you wouldn't do that yeah, I guess so. Especially as such an awkward person. Mm-hmm. Some one of my favorite bits in this is when he's on a seminar to Brian Cox and Charlie has his usual narration of fuck this story, I hate hate myself, whatever. And then the narration cuts out and, and Brian Cox is like, and God help you, 
if you're writing voiceover, you might as well fucking kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I loved it. And it's true. Fuck voiceover. Except in this movie. He, he says at the end, he's like, oh, no, I shouldn't do voiceover. Oh, fuck it. It feels right. <laughs> that's what that's my opinion on it as well like if it really feels right do it but try to avoid it what i liked about this film in the start mm-hmm. is it felt very realistic yeah they had a lot of things in there that a little bit exaggerated but not so much in some areas and then it's about here in the film things start to go a bit awry for me yes i have some thoughts on this too but I don't know how else you could have done it. So I think the deviation point is where he asked Donald for help yes. in his script. Yeah, like 100%. The... That's what I've got as well. Yeah. When when Donald comes to New York yeah. and they start spying on Meryl Streep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It suddenly becomes this thriller. Yeah. And it's very... <sighs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it's the logical conclusion to this movie. I think. He's trying to break the script. Stonewall's his brother, who's got the ideas. And then, at the end, he gives in to some of the that kind of pull of, okay, let's make this into a little bit of a story. Uh, so, I think this is a natural arc for this. But the problem is, and I don't know how to get around this, right? It has a bit of a... Have you ever seen the movie Sucker Punch? Yes, I have seen the movie <laughs> Sucker Punch. In that... A little girl has like these visions while she's dancing and in the visions she's in like weird worlds where she's defeating monsters and that kind of stuff. We know she's dreaming and we know she's kind of impervious to harm in the dream. The action scenes don't work because you know it's fake and it's kind of the same effect in here where you're like yes very realistic very realistic and then you clearly see a deviation into fantasy and okay this is not real anymore. Yeah. And you, like, kind of switch off. Yeah. Well, at least you agree. That's good. I do. Not with, not with the shit bit, but with the <laughs> thing that it film starts to go a bit wrong. Yeah. I do. I wouldn't know how to get around it, though. Because it is, like, a very natural ending point to the movie. I think if you spend so long writing a film about breaking a script or breaking the story, and then you get halfway through and give up and do what you do, the basic thing anyway, what's the point of the first half? Be adapted. Okay. Well, that's a fair answer. Yeah. That's a fair answer, but... There's whole movies, him fighting to stay like he is, and he can't, because he's got an assignment that requires something else from him. And at the end, he gives in. He gives in to his Donald persona. And only a little bit, like, it's still not... Maybe that could have been an angle if you even turn the dial up of surrealism even more. Yeah. And it becomes like action. That's what I kind of remembered because I watched this a long time ago. Like if you make it more actiony and more like crazy, like maybe that could have been an angle. I don't know. Mm. Could have been shorter as well. Maybe this segment. Yeah. Well, to be honest, um, <laughs> funny you say that because this is exactly my opinion. My first question was, did Charlie Kaufman actually stalk a woman? <laughs> but no because it's at this point it's very fake and at the end of that I, I was just thinking all right this is too long now yeah this is this has gone on too long yeah pacing could be tighter yeah if it really at this i felt it yeah yeah, yeah. it's just written so well other than just snipping little scenes off or little bits off i don't know how else you mm. what else you're gonna do here's a question for you at this yeah. point we find out meryl streep does drugs 
Yeah. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Here's a bit you can cut quite easily. Mm-hmm. The phone call between her and LaRoche when she's super high. Yeah, I liked it though. It's all right. That's fine. It's, yeah. So it's her just uh... going... She's trying to make dial tone noises. <laughs> yeah. She's trying to get him to make dial tone noises. There's a bit in here which confused the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. Right? She's super high and then she she puts her feet in the air. Yeah. Right? The little toes come up from yeah, the frame. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but then she like cradles in her arms like a baby her own foot. <laughs> Did you notice that? Yeah. Have, have you ever tried to do that? With, <laughs> like, oh my god! Well, with some the people, flexibility of it, like, <laughs> some people. Are I did. I did genuinely wonder, like, is that someone else's foot? <laughs> <laughs> They've just put in there for effect. So on that note as well, because they're stalking her, and she goes back to Laroche's place mm-hmm. to have her affair, and. They spy on her through the window and he's she's having sex with LaRoche. Mm-hmm. My note here was Meryl Streep fucking not sexy. No. What do you <laughs> Like when you think of Meryl Streep <laughs> this is I mean it was twenty two years ago. Twenty one years yeah, ago. Yeah, twenty one years ago. Uh, 22 now because we're in 2024 of course yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> after after the Aquaman 2 <laughs> after everything changed no it's actually uh, year 1 AA AA after so Aquaman. this is AA AA1 the year AA1 after <laughs> Aquaman 2 <laughs> changed the world <laughs> so she was a lot younger but yeah. like if you think of Meryl Streep now <laughs> I mean she's pretty <laughs> There's every Hollywood actress is pretty. I really liked her acting in this. Yeah. I always think of her as like the boring kind of grandma actor. Mm-hmm. Who's like kind of in like these Lifetime movies, these Hallmark movies. She's the nice old lady. Yeah, she's a nice old lady. Oh, no, nice older lady. Yeah. Because she's not old, she's not like Zimmer Frame moving no, around. Yeah. But she's, it's, it's like she's a young the, grandma. She's the wise, nice lady yeah. that everyone looks up to and wants to be. That didn't make it sound better. <laughs> but in this, she has a lot to do. And it was a lot of fun. She had little moments. That's why I like the drug scene when she gets high. Because she has a lot of fun things to do. And really like the this kind of portrayal of taking drugs. It wasn't like the typical Hollywood of like, cue the magical carpet ride music. You know, seventies circles. Is that magical carpet ride music? <laughs> and then the seventies circles and the flowers and then people just dozing off. No, she was just a little funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, she gets to have sex. She gets to have like Tarantino moment where she wants to kill someone. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I felt like it's just silly. The whole film's it was, but there's still there's still like moments that connect back to the beginning, like Donald's big monologue. So Laroche and Meryl Streep wants to kill them, and they're hiding. They're hiding behind the first log they find. Yeah, <laughs> and they have like little slow heart to heart, and Donald. Oh, you don't like that? No, okay. I didn't. You are what you love, not what loves you. No. Yeah. But they're like, <laughs> they explain it well within this story where he goes like, oh, you, I like this girl, but she laughed behind me, but I didn't care, you know. I loved her and she could not take that away from me. Which could come across as creepy. Yeah. <laughs> like, Especially if they've just been the last, like, half an hour stalking a woman. <laughs> yeah. But it made sense to me, you know. At that point, the movie on that 
Like, it could be a little schmaltzy, if you want. No, I'd see, again, like, you've just spent the first half of the film raging against that. And then to put that in is a bit, like... Ugh. It reminded me of, like, the quote from the end. It was like, those two things go hand in hand to me. His little quote from the fake script <laughs> and this actual script mm-hmm. that's both cheesy and not particularly well-written. I think it was. Again, I think it was earned by them. And then it's earned by the story... Because we know the story is changing from real to unreal. And he kind of lets in the positive vibes, you know. And another thing that connects back that I really liked, put a nice little bow and everything to me. Meryl Streep, after the Roche gets shot. He doesn't get shot. No? Wait. No, he gets killed by an alligator. Oh, yeah. Which is true. also stupid. Yeah, it's trippy. <laughs> um because they're all like at the same space so you know like yeah and then they've spent and again they spend the first half of the film wading through swamps yeah and not once did like they even saw alligators so you could see them not in the same thing because they couldn't film it but you can see he looks to the right and then it cuts to some alligators in the water yeah maybe this is why like it would have been beneficial to maybe even play that up even more like the b-movie aspects of it yeah what i would have liked to have seen from this is so you've got the Donald character who's like the confident manly one mm-hmm. like they're, they're running away and then he fights an alligator and mm-hmm. he, they kind of holds it down mm-hmm. and, like, I don't know drowns it or something something ridiculous or maybe Charlie because he's like gaining his confidence mm. yeah maybe Charlie saves Donald as a show of his confidence yeah so one thing I really like that kind of put a nice bow on everything to me is I think Meryl Streep is holding what remains of LaRoche she's kind of having his mental breakdown and she says i want to be a baby again i want to be new and i wrote down adept perchance <laughs> she adapted to this new environment and she didn't like it and she wants okay to yeah i see what you mean now yeah, yeah that makes a bit more yeah it makes yeah. more sense yeah so so she's adapted to the environment she likes it more and she yeah. wishes she could start again yeah. under this new version of herself and this is also ties into the whole how did i get here scene you know the the world the history of the world <laughs> um which is nice like yeah how did i get here i was born like, that's what how the movie starts you know getting born adapting and then dying and it's just like a nice little yeah it, cool. it feels right to me okay and then the movie ends nicholas cage monologuing him to himself a bit more confident he hugs his not girlfriend and then the movie ends with an extreme time lapse do you remember that oh yeah with the flowers yeah flowers was interesting yeah that was quite cool yeah i've never seen a time lapse in such an old movie i've never seen a movie from the 2000s do a time lapse must have been a fucking nightmare to make that like with like film you know you don't need film you just need to take photos yeah like a billion a billion photos yeah should we talk about the behind the scenes of this movie a little bit the behind the scenes yeah, for example, how Charlie Kaufman had to actually adapt the Orchid Thief, and this is what he put in, which is just a funny thing. Like, can you imagine <laughs> you're the lady who wrote the Orchid Thief, and this is what you get? <laughs> and she had to be, like, convinced. Yeah, I bet she did, because <laughs> she's a character in the film. Yeah, and then, you know, she's portrayed as a cheating, yeah. drug-using... <laughs> murderous. <laughs> murderous. <laughs> But, you know, because she's a good sport. Yeah. I would just be angry. Yeah? I would be even so angry. I don't know what this is like in writing. I don't know how much come across that it's, like, really good in writing. You know what I mean? Mm. I think, well, I would be angry and then I would be like, oh, well, you know, 
if I was getting 5% before, I'm getting 10% now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Adaptation. Adaptation. Not done by Andy Kaufman, who I originally Googled. <laughs> yeah, that's a very different story. Yeah. Yeah, any final thoughts? Nope. <laughs> no, th <laughs> no thoughts whatsoever. How would you rate it? Five. Okay, wow. <laughs> Quite a good film at the start, and it's not a good film at the end. It's equal parts, so it's like a seven, then it's a three, and okay. averages is a five. Okay. So it's yeah. not like a, you know... It's not a 10 and a 1. It's mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or even, might even go shallower than that. Might be like a 6 and a 4. Okay, wow. It didn't reach you in any way. I mean, it's relatable at the start. Mm. And that's what I liked about it. And that's why it was good. I don't, I'm still not convinced that it's necessary. Mm -hmm. That he could have just written a story about the book mm -hmm. and not put himself in it. And even in the film... He says, like, it's very egotistical and it's very... Yeah. And that's not impressive. Yeah. I usually think that. And I usually think when there's, like, people writing about themselves, it's very egotistical, but this is, like, the exception to me. Okay. I rate it a 9 out of 10. Wow. Yeah, it's it's not quite being John Malkovich, obviously. I have that problem of the pacing at the end, and I don't know what to do with the whole shifting in reality bit. I just don't know what to do with it. You know, I usually have ideas like, oh, this is how I would have done it. The only idea of maybe make it like more crazy, but I'm I'm not even sure that would have worked to be fair. So who knows? I really liked it. Cool. Uh, this is like if you hate Nicolas Cage or like thinking he's like a meme guy more than he's an actor, just watch this film. He's, uh, he's great. I mean, there's loads of films with Nicolas Cage you can watch at this point and have the same effect. He's pretty good in Pig. I don't like the film, but, um, you know, uh, Dream Scenario yeah. is another one where he's not massively over the top. Yeah. Face Off. He's a very subtle performance. <laughs> <laughs> face Off. Subtle like a brick to the face. <laughs> yeah. We started the new year with Meta. We have. How are we going to continue the new We're year? We're going to continue. And I wasn't sure about recommending this, oh. but I need to review my list of films because I'm running out. So, when they're running out, it's just going to be my films. So, you better fucking oh my God, be God. I'm going to start trawling through Netflix and Amazon and everything. <laughs> it's, just so... <laughs> it's called Palm Springs. Oh, that one. Yeah, have you seen it? No, I heard about it. I heard it's terrible. What? It's really good. Okay. It's got really high praise. I I think, are you thinking of the right one? Yeah, it's like the repeating day kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know where you heard bad things. I've heard nothing but good things about yeah. it. It went on like the film festival circuits. I know that. And yeah. then they did really well. And then Amazon paid like a buttload to get it exclusively on Amazon Prime yeah. because there was so much buzz around it. Yeah, so much buzz. And it was like in the middle of lockdowns and shit and there's not much to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so that might be tainting your experience. Uh, we are on Patreon where you can listen to our bad opinions about movies <laughs> even more <laughs> <laughs> patreon.com slash I hate your movie one pound only Woo! Woo! and check us out on Instagram the same name I hate your movie and please subscribe on YouTube share us on YouTube and like us on YouTube that's our main platform but also you can follow and rate us on your podcast platform of choice yes wow it's almost like I've written that that was like just came out Two of my mates. They both sent me their Spotify wrapped. Okay. And we were number two. Whoa. Nice. <laughs> Bye. Bye.